I love the presence of the Lord. Amen. God is so good this morning. Thank you, sir. I need, to, I need to do a mascara check. See, Paul doesn't have to do this. Am I okay? Okay. See, Paul don't have to do that. He don't wear a mascara. I get all flubbery, blubbery, and, and uh, I already feel like I'm at a disadvantage this morning because I forgot my earrings, so don't pay attention to them. I'll pull my hair down. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You just don't understand. You just don't understand. My ladies in the house understand. Amen. Um, so we're so glad each and every one of you are here this morning. A quick update on Pastor Paul. He is doing, um, he is doing better. It's been a week. Thank you for all your prayers, your understanding, all your concern, your text messages, your uh, phone calls. I appreciate all of that. He is, um, surgery was uh, successful. For those of you that don't know, you know, he was injured last summer in Africa, and we have been trying our best to get him um, recuperated he's done shots he's done therapy and we just exasperated all of of those avenues and so they went in they did some surgery and so he is he's doing well continue to pray for me that he continues to do well (laughs) do you know what I mean has anybody ever nursed a man okay Anyway, so just continue to pray for him. Supernatural healing. Amen. Also, just a real quick thing that I, I, I thought was pretty amazing for those of you that don't know. We've been, uh, for the last, I think, three months, right? You've been doing um, feeding free food on a Saturday as a drive through right here. Where am I at? Yeah, right over here. <laughs> um, I think they did fish. They did uh, red beans and rice. And then this uh, yesterday, it was spaghetti, right? And uh, incredibly, over 400 plates they gave out yesterday free food for it. What a blessing. Amen. What a blessing. Um, you know, I, I love, I love how, um, our church just sees outside these walls, you know, and it just sees the needs of the community and it sees, um, you know, people, people need to be seen. Amen. People need to be seen. So I'm going to pray this morning and just ask that the Holy Spirit will touch each and every one of our hearts. Father, as I come to you right now, I just thank you, Father, for the anointing upon the word. Father, we thank you for the word. It is life. It is power. It is authority. Father, we just love you so much this morning. Thank you for the the beautiful worship, Father, for the obedient servants, Father, that has led us, Father, into your presence this morning. Thank you, Father, for everyone, Lord, that has their hand involved in this service this morning. Lord, we just give you praise and we thank you that your goodness, Father, overwhelms us us this morning. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm out. I'm going to ask everybody if you'd put your hand on your heart. Let's declare this is good ground this morning. See, this is good ground. Oh, the word takes root. The enemy doesn't steal it. It produces a good harvest. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is good ground, right? This is good ground. The enemy don't get to come choke it. He doesn't get to come steal it. It takes root. It takes root, and it produces something good in my life. Amen? All right. So um, I've had this message on my heart for for quite a while, Um, and it was real. If you weren't here Wednesday night, we had the Move Takeover, and uh, they did an amazing job. It was so good, so good. Um, They just got up, and they shared their hearts, and it was so funny when um, Alex got up at the end. I think Joel said that that wasn't necessarily planned. I think Alex just said, hey, um, I just have kind of something to say, and so Alex got up, and he was talking, and, and it was so funny. I was sitting there, and as he was saying, I was like, dang, Alex is fixing to preach my message. He's just giving, like, he's just giving it right there, uh, getting a, a segue into to what I believe that the Lord wants to release uh, this morning, and so like I said, the the 
this has been laying on my heart for, for quite some time, and, you know, and I, I'm, whenever the Lord releases it, you know, um, I'm ready to, to step in and release that word. So um, I want to tell you, first of all, <clears throat> one of the best part of ministry, can I give you the very best part of ministry? The very best part of ministry is that when you get to be a part of someone's journey, when you get to be a part of watching God do something miraculous in their life, when you get to see them grow and to thrive, right, and to succeed and to, to see miracles manifest in their life and to know that you are, are a part of, of their story, of their testimony, that's the best part of ministry that there is. It is, it is there's nothing quite like it, to be honest, there's nothing quite like anything in my entire life that I've experienced. When I sit out here and I look at these faces and I look at, at, at people that I've been in relationship with and when I, I watch God begin to do things in their life, come on, you know what I'm saying? When I begin to see God connect people and see them get promotions and to see them fulfill their call and to, to step into their authority and step into their identity and begin to watch them be able to lay aside, right, the shackles and lay aside those things that, that the enemy has, has done so much to prevent them from stepping into who they are, amen? And so there's nothing better than that. But can I tell you what the worst part of ministry is? You want to know what the worst part is? <laughs> One of the worst parts of ministry is watching someone begin to decline. Watching someone begin to shrink. Watching someone begin to fall apart. Watching someone break covenant. That is, without a doubt, one of the hardest things. And um, I knew early on in ministry that if he, he was going to have to do a work in my heart. He was going to have to protect my heart. Because when I, when I am in this place of inviting you into my life, you know, or, or God connecting us, then I get invested. I get invested. I get invested. And so I take it very personally. And so it makes it very difficult. And I, because it's, sometimes it just breaks your heart when that connection or that, 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 that extending of that hand gets cut off or it says that, right? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I had told the Lord, I said, he was going to have to protect my heart. He was going to have to protect my heart. So I struggled um, somewhere in the ministry uh, at the beginning of being scared then to put myself out, right? Because what if, I, what if I do all that and I get invested and then I get rejected again or I get hurt again? And I think a lot of times, you know, individuals, we find ourselves in that place, right? We find ourselves in churches. We find ourselves in this place where we feel like we've put ourselves out there and, we've, and, we, and, and with our family or our friendships or, or whatever it is, and we don't realize how messy life is and how difficult life is and how broken people are and how sometimes it just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it, it, you want to do for them what they need to do, but guess what? You can't do for them what they only they can do, right? And so the best part and the worst part is, is right there. It's, it's on it. And um, I had to learn how to navigate it. And so last Sunday, uh, immediately after church, we, we enjoyed, you know, Pastor uh, Paul and Debbie Trokel that were here. And right after church, uh, Paul and Debbie had to leave to go to Magnolia for a funeral of a lady that played a very instrumental role in my life. And I, uh, I had the opportunity several years ago 
that, that kind of surprised her at a meeting that I was at in Spring Hill. And I really got to honor her, and I got to just tell her thank you for, for what you've done in my life and all that good stuff. And so I went to her funeral, and there were so many people there that I, I knew that was from growing up. And such wonderful words, you know, of, of a woman that really made an impact in her life. And I was like, it just all began to just connect these pieces together of, of what it looks like to be called to something called discipleship. What it looks like to be called to be in a place of discipleship. And I want to look at my first scripture if we could. And we're going to look at Mark 16, 15, and 18. Mark 15, 16 is, uh, I'm sorry, 16, 15 is the foundation of who we are at our church, right? This, this is our foundation scripture. But we're going to go all the way down into 18. Now, this is the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended. So we know that this has got to be the most, one of the most important things that he ever issued. And it said to them... To them, those that were there, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out devils, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover so in these scriptures, who is he talking to them? Who's, who's he talking to in them? He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the people that, that was connected to him, right? The ones that believed in him. So when I look at this, I, I realize and I understand that, that these scriptures are talking to those that are followers of Jesus. This is talking to the church. This is not talking to the world. This is talking to the ones that, that have said, hey, listen, I'm going to commit my relationship, my life. I'm going to commit my life to serve you, to worship you, to, to honor you for the rest of my life. That I'm going to be called by your name. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be Christ-like. And so this is the most important thing that, that he issued as his last words. So we understand how important it is, right? So are we the church? Okay? Are we believers? Yes? So these scriptures are not, these scriptures are for you this morning. There's something that's in here that is so important that I, I truly and hope, hopefully believe that you will grab a hold of this and allow these, allow these next few moments to begin to spark something inside of you. Um, Many years ago, God began to ask me to reevaluate, to begin to delve deeper into what it looks like called discipleship. And really, the word discipleship is not a word that you're going to find in the Bible. It's more of like a theology. It's more of like a, a, a word that was kind of created out of being a disciple, right? Discipleship really is just another word for like mentorship, community. Come on. Uh, um, surrounding yourself and doing Mark 16, 15 through 18 connecting to what he told us to do, and then implementing the words that he told us to do. Now, early on when we began this church, I met this couple, and look, let me tell you, when we, we're going to start talking about discipleship, I don't play with this. I, I don't play. I mean, I'm serious about this, and I'm not going to get up here and, and preach something and talk about something that I am not living, that I am not walking in, that I am not doing, okay? But I met this couple named Tom and Dorothy Grant, at the beginning of, uh, of CCAM, when we connected with them, 
and, and I saw in them what true discipleship, like I had never seen it before in my life. I, had, I knew I was dabbling in it. I knew I had, I had a little bit of a grasp on it. But, man, they took it to, on steroids. I, 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 I would sit back and I just would look at how they literally laid their life and has, have given their life, their home, their food, their time, their energy, come on, their prayers to people, to broken people, to hurting people, to difficult people, to lost people. Come on. They just opened up their lives. And it was a form of discipleship that just, to be totally honest, just really, I just like, I don't I do that. Like I, you know, I, I, I dabbled in it, but I just don't know if I could do that. And if any of you who know Tom and Dorothy, you know that they take it to a new level. Would anybody agree? Say amen. So I don't play with this, okay? I don't play with this. I, I believe in it. And uh, so as God began to, to, to reevaluate what discipleship looked like, um, I had to ask myself a question of what was I really willing to give up? What was I really willing to, to take these scriptures and, and live it? And so I looked at, as I began to delve into it, I realized that, you know, discipleship, mentorship is not just for ministers, Come on, it's not just for pastors. It's not just for move leadership. It's not just for powerhouse leadership. It's not just for a live leadership. So many times we want to put the leadership in charge of people and say, well, they're mentoring them. They're, take care, they're taking care of them. That is not what discipleship is about. It is not specifically for leadership. It is not specifically for ministers. It is for the church. He didn't say in Mark 16, 15, he didn't say, okay, look, you, uh, you pastors, you leaders, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples of, of me. I want, that's, that's your job now. It's every single person who told me a while ago that in this church that you're sitting here that you are a follower of Jesus. It is a commission and it is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. Amen? And I want to tell you today that discipleship is not easy. I wrote down some adjectives of what discipleship um, really has at the root of it. Listen to this. To truly commit yourself to be in discipleship, number one, you have to be vulnerable. That means you have to be real. And a lot of times it is so easy, we were talking about it earlier, it's so easy to put a mask on. Just put that mask on. I'm good. You good? Yeah, great. Hey, how are you? You doing good? Great. But when you're your true authentic self, you have to be vulnerable. That means that other people are going to look at you and they're going to uh, judge you on what you do, what you say, what you don't do, what you should do, how you do it. You have to put yourself in this position to be vulnerable. Number one, it, you have to be accessible. Discipleship doesn't happen just overnight. You have to be accessible. You have to be accountable because it, making disciples of Jesus means you got to look and act and talk and smell like Jesus. There's an accountability that goes with it. Um, it has to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. It's just not something miraculously that happens. You have to be intentional of choosing to become a disciple, to walk in discipleship. 
You got to be relatable. You got to be relatable, which means that in discipleship that me and Roger, we may have different interests. We may, we may have a, a, a different background. We may not see things the same way. Now, Roger's easy, you know. He's, he's, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's an easy man to, to, uh, to enter into commitment of a, of a friendship and a mentorship. You know, he's like a sponge. He just, he'll just receive it. But not everybody's like Roger. Some people are prickly. Some people are thorny. Some people are difficult. Some people are needy. Come on. Some people are just... What's, what's, what's a good word? Come on. Some people are just, ugh, I don't even think that's a word, right? Some people are just, ugh, <laughs> exhausting. That's a good word. So you have to be relatable. I mean, you have to be in this place where you're intentional. And discipleship is truly, it is building a community. It's building a community. Um, because... In this walk, nobody should ever do it alone. Let me, let me replace it. Let me, let me make it a little better. You can't do it successfully alone. So who's my loners out there? You don't have to raise your hand. I know there's some of you. You are loners. You just, you just like me, three, and no more. You're loners, you know. Maybe you've been hurt because you've laid yourself out there and you've been hurt by people. Uh, maybe you've been abused by people. Um, they've abused your kindness. They've abused your generosity, right? They've, they've stomped on your, your intentions. They misread your intentions. And so sometimes we just build these walls around us that says, I don't want to let anybody in because if I let somebody in, you know, they may, they may hurt me again. Um, example of it, I love my dad. My dad was a wonderful, wonderful father, but he was a loner. He just didn't really like people. He just, you know, he just didn't like people. And um, he had one, one, one friend in his entire life that I know of that was not his family or his, my mom or his family or my mom or his family or my mom. That was it. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I remember we were talking one day, and he was talking about his son-in-laws because uh, he had five daughters, and he had ten previous or former and current son-in-laws. So he had ten to five. So we had a lot of, a lot of coming in and a lot of walking out. <laughs> and so a lot that said yes and then said uh-uh. And so he had a lot of ex-son-in-laws. <clears throat> and so we were sitting there talking, and there was only two originals. There was my oldest sister, Mary Johnny Baker, and then his youngest daughter, Ginger Gray, who married Paul Gray. So he had two original OGs. He had Johnny and he had Paul. So we were sitting there and we were talking about, like, all the ones that had walked in and walked out. And, and uh, somebody said, oh, but you, one of them, maybe Paul made the comment or something about my dad and said, oh, well, he likes me. And I go, no, he don't. <laughs> you know, he don't like you. And daddy said, well, that's just not very nice. I said, no, 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 no. I said, or maybe he, he said something about, like, he loves me. No, no, he don't. He doesn't. He don't really even like you. He tolerates you. He tolerates you. He loves his wife, my mama. He loves his siblings. He loves his children, and he loves his grandchildren. Everybody else, he just tolerates them. 
<laughs> you can't do discipleship with that mentality, right? You can't just block, box yourself in and not, and not realize that you've been put here on this earth to make an impact past your wife and past your children and past your grandkids and past former and current son-in-laws, right? You have to, you have to realize that uh, discipleship is, is, is allowing yourself up. So if you're the type of person and you just atypically prefer to be a loner, I'm here to chastise you this morning. I'm here to tell you that that is not biblical, and that is not the way Jesus wants you to live your life. And if it is, let's repent. Everybody bow your head. If you're that loner, just repent real quick. Say, Jesus, forgive me. You can say it in your head. You don't have to say it out loud. Don't make me call you out. I'm just so sorry, Lord. Amen. Because Jesus has put inside of you himself. Come on, he's put himself inside of you. And so Jesus should be our standard. Everybody say amen. Jesus is my standard. Don't be like me. Don't be like Paul. Don't be like Greg. Don't be like Angel. <laughs> Don't even be like Tom and Dorothy. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do? Come on, what did Jesus do? What did he do? So let's look over in, uh, in the scriptures. Let's look at Mark 2, 14 through 17. Let's look at these scriptures. So... So Jesus says that as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. That would be Matthew. And he said to him, come on, follow me. And he arose and he followed him. Now it happened that the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners. They said to his disciples, how is it that he eats with and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Is that all I did? 17. What? Okay, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I've come to call to the righteous, but sinners, not, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So here, if we're going to, Jesus is our standard, what did Jesus do? Jesus looked for somebody that needed him. Jesus looked for somebody that was hurting. He looked for someone who was disconnected. He looked for someone that was struggling, right? He recognized it. And then he, he, issued a command. He just issued a statement. He said, hey, come follow me. And so his, as, as he goes, he goes into his environment and they go into his house and he sits down with others. Come on, others that needed him as well. Others that didn't know him. Those others that were hurting, those that were others that were broken. And Jesus sat down and he broke bread with them and he began to talk to them. And then you know what the church says, you know, the little church people up there say, oh my God, what is he doing hanging out with those people? Doesn't he know that, that they did that and this about five years ago and they did that? And what is he doing hanging out with all of them? And Jesus reprimanded them, and he told them, he said, look, I didn't come for those that are righteous. I didn't come for those that already are in relationship with me. I came to those that were broken. I came to those that are hurting. I came to those that are disconnected. That is why I am here. And that's the same thing that's commissioned on me. Look, it's so easy and wonderful to hang out with people like Jody. I love hanging out with Jody. Jody's righteous, right? Jody is Jody's connected. She's great. She's awesome. I can talk to her. She 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 is 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 that person that you know when you talk you can just talk about Jesus. I love to hang out with my daughter-in-law Serena. She's awesome. I love Emily. I love I love hanging out with Jessica. I love hanging out with Katie. Travis, I don't know. I'm just kidding. It gets a little political with me sometimes. I just kind of whoosh kind of goes over my head. It's okay. It's okay, Bubba. I love the Britneys. I love those that, and, and that's important, right? It's important. But you know, there is another, 
Jody that's out there that hadn't become a Jody, right? There's somebody else out there that hadn't quite made it to where Serena is. There's other people that we find and we con that God puts in our past over and over and over and over. And he's saying, hey, listen, I need you to sit down and I need you to issue the invite and I need you to begin to enter in to discipleship with them. So, if Jesus is our standard, how do we do discipleship? How do we do this thing that seems to be so difficult? Now, I'm a teacher, so I, I, I issue uh, little things to help you remember. That's just kind of what we do. Um, so it's called the four E's. E. Did I do it right? Yeah. E. Four E's. Going to help you to remember this. And remember when I told you that I, I, God began to push me into a new level of discipleship. I'm not saying that this is for everybody, but there was something about Tom and Dorothy of what they did that sparked something that was inside of me. We went to, um, we went to a, a funeral. What was that, a few weeks ago, Mr. Tom, that we was there, and uh, we were uh, paying our respect um, to your nephew and their family. And a young lady came up with Mr. Tom, and she said, Tom introduced her to me. What was her name again? Daniela. Daniela? Yeah, what he said. <laughs> and she, she began to talk about how that Tom and Dorothy changed her life, and that she was broken, and that she was hurting, and that she was lost, and they just issued the invitation, and they... They took care of her, and he, she said, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't be where I'm at. She doesn't even live here, you know, anymore. She, she lives out there out in Texas. But she attributed them opening up their lives to help her. I mean, best part of ministry. Best part of ministry. So when I began to look at that, I can tell you, Paul and I, over the course of 37 years of marriage, we've had at least 10 people live with us. Now, I know that that's not for everybody. <laughs> I know that is not something you're going, I ain't moving nobody in the house with me. <laughs> you know, I can't, I'm barely taking care of what I got to get done. I know that there is an extreme. And my 10 ain't nothing compared to what theirs are. I don't even want to know. You probably, you, know, you probably even know what the numbers are. They, they, they probably lost count about 40 or 50, somewhere along in there. Um, so if you want to call it extreme discipleship, that's fine. But what if you just take one person and you begin to invest in them? I'm not talking about putting them in your guest bedroom unless the Holy Spirit says, because that's what happened to us. Jesus told me to do it. Don't do it unless he's told you to do it, right? Um, unless you, you, you see the need and you need to meet that need, amen? Um, but I, I know that to be able to do it, you have to have some guidelines. So here we go. The four E's. The first thing that Jesus did was the first thing is called engage. You have to become in this place, like I said, intentional, and you have to become vulnerable. You have to be in this place where, where you just engage with people. How many of you know sometimes it's so difficult to engage with people? It's so difficult sometimes. I think the older we get, the harder it is really to make, make close friendships. Um, I remember... 30 plus years ago when I met Pastor Sandra and we just kind of got thrown in. We were in the same kind of community area and we got thrown in and 
you know, Pastor Sam was, she was real rough around the edges, and uh, she was, um, she was probably not someone, typically, we laugh and we said if we'd been in high school, she wouldn't have been my friend, because I was a geek drama and she was an athlete, and so, but, you know, you get through that and you can find commonality, but, but we just began to have this relationship, do you know what I mean, to just have a meal occasionally, you know, we, we started walking our kids together, and, and God used that as I engaged in her, right? You're not ever going to be doing the life of discipleship if you're not willing to engage somebody. If you're not willing to, to look at someone and truly look at them. Does that make sense? You can look at people. You see people all day long. You go into stores, you see people, you check out at Brookshire's, you go to the Walmart, you go to work, you're in school, you're just walking around and you're seeing people all around. But if you're not walking out with an intentional mind of, I'm going to engage today, I'm going to be, I'm going to engage, I'm going to speak to someone, I'm going to step out, I'm going to be vulnerable, I'm going to be intentional, I'm going to, I'm going to step out and I'm just going to let that person know I see you. Think about Jesus. He did that. He was just walking along, and he just looked up, and he goes, you know, Pastor Jerry talked about it too long. He's walking along, looked up, and he goes, I see you, Zacchaeus. What you doing up there? I see you. Hey, why don't you come down? I'm going to go to your house today. You see, let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus walked by, and he saw these fishermen. He just saw him, and he was just going about his life, right? He was just going about doing his fishing and getting ready to go, and he looked, and he saw Peter. And he engaged him. He said, hey, 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 um, what are you doing? Peter said, man, we've been fishing all night. We ain't caught nothing. And Jesus engaged him and he said, I tell you what, get back in the boat. Get back in the boat. Go back out there and try it again. Just trust me. Just, just go do it. And he went and God fulfilled, Jesus, I mean, God fulfilled that need and he came back. And come on, what did Peter do? He could have walked right past Peter and never had seen him. Come on, think about it. He went to a well. He went to a well, and there was just a woman at the well, and she was just doing what she needed to do. She just drawing up that water. And all of a sudden, he gauged, engaged with her, and he spoke to her, and he looked at her, and he said, I see you. How many people in this world, come on, church, how many people in this world just need somebody to look at them and say, I see you. I see you. I see your hurt. I see your need. I see what you're going through. I see you. What the value is when you engage, when you choose to make that connection. Amen? I'm going to preach this morning. Woo! I'm getting hot. Getting hot. I can't. I, I, I got a tank top on. Can't do that. No earrings in a tank top. Not happening. All right, your second E. <laughs> the second E, the beauty of discipleship. You got to engage. The next thing is you got to be established. You got to be established. In other words, you got to have some rooting yourself. You got to have some rooting yourself. That means you got to be firm. You got to be permanent. You got to be solid. I'm just being honest with you. Because if you're trying to walk in discipleship in your life, you're just a big old hot mess, and you're trying to help somebody out of their mess, then their mess can jump on you, and before you know it, you both up in their mess, and they done discipled you. I almost said an ugly word. That they de- I apologize for that. It didn't get there, did it? 
Oh, I didn't. Okay. I don't know. You know, I got so, I got so shuffled up now that I can't even. Okay. <laughs> you hush. All right. So, okay. So, discipleship. If you're not careful and you're not established, right, if you're not firm and you're not accountable, then you, as you begin to help someone else, right, as you begin to, 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 they got so much mess, but you ain't got your mess, you know, your mess is just, just almost as bad as their mess, then that mess will jump on you and all of a sudden before you know it, they're discipling you in the wrong way. Did I get that out right? Woo, that was a hard one. So you got to be established. It doesn't mean that you have to be completely established before you engage someone, but your level of discipleship is going to be based on your level of establishment. And your impact in someone else's life is going to be centered on the establishment of your heart in the Word. Come on. Committed to it. Hallelujah. I mean, I said I had 10 people live with us. They, they, they were there for it all. I, I get so tickled. Terry's not in here, but I, I'll tell on him. He was at the house one day. Terry hadn't lived with us, almost, but not close. I think he would pack his bags and move in at, at some point over the years. But I said, no, no, Terry. Shoo. <laughs> See, he's not in here. I can talk about him. But I remember he was there one time, and Paul and I got into a heated discussion. And he was just standing there. And after it was all over, and he, he later he said, oh, I couldn't believe Pastor Paul and Jim, they were fighting. But it was the most polite fight I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. But we were serious. Um, so, uh, you know, you've got to be established. I mean, I couldn't invite somebody into my home and my home be a total disaster, right? Completely out of whack, you know, Paul and I hating one another, hitting one another, throwing stuff at each other. You know, that, that's not, you've got to be established. So your level of discipleship is going to be based on your rooting and your grounding. Amen? You should always, in your establishment, you should always be having, you should be also engaged in following somebody that's making you better and somebody that's behind you that you're helping to be better. It's a constant, it's a constant thing. I'm following somebody else. I have people in my life that hold me accountable. I have people in my life that I look to, and I'm like, man, I, I like what they got in their life. I need that in my life. I'm, hatch, I'm, I'm hitching my wagon, you know, to that anointing, to that purpose, to that calling, because I'm, they're going to make me better. But then there should be people that, that God's connected you with, on the other side, that what you've got, come on, the things that you have that you're imparting to somebody, you're helping make them better. And then that person, come on, when they get a hold of it, then they're going to take that and they're going to put it to another person and then to another person and to another person. That is called discipleship. Amen? The third thing is E. It's called empower. you got to give in discipleship. You've got to be someone that, em- that, that creates the attitude that they can do something great. To be one another's biggest cheerleaders. I remember Pastor Sandra talking about how Sandy Ward, Pastor Sandy Ward, she said she always loved being around Pastor Sandy because she always told you that there's nothing you couldn't do. 
She was just your biggest cheerleader, right? That there was, she would just, you'd get out of there thinking you could just go and you could just, man, you could go, you could do anything. Come on, we want to be those type of people that you can look at somebody and you say, hey, listen, I know you messed up. I know you just fell down. I know it's okay. Let's get up. Here, help them wipe them, wipe that, that dust off and say, come on, let's do this. Man, God's got something big in you. I'm here to anoint, to, to pray for the anointing of God to, 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 uh, to, to combat that battle that you're doing to equip to, to to have the empowerment of the holy spirit for you to do something huge amen and the last one the last e let me go back i'm telling you the, remember the first one was engage the second one establish the third one empower and the last one is equip 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 teaching authority Becoming a part of the calling, connecting people to God, recognizing the call of God that's on their life. You know, Jesus, he had meals, he engaged with people, he empowered people. Come on, he, he, he equipped people, he, he, was, he was as established as they come, right? And so I'm passionate about the fact that I love that that is just a part of the culture of this church. And it was intentional. When we began to create this crazy building, it's not your traditional church. We don't want it to be that. There's people who would never walk into a traditional church, but they will walk into a place that they went and learned how to do air instrumentation. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they walk in, they're like, oh, my God, I remember I'm right there, and I just, I learned how to weld, <laughs> you know, and they, they can come in. Um, but we also wanted to feel like it was an extension of our home, an extension of Tom and Dorothy's home, right? An, ex an extension of Greg and Angel's home, an extension of, of our lives that we can connect together and we can begin to create something that's beautiful, amen? Discipleship, become a disciple I'm not saying tomorrow go and, and move somebody in, but I am willing to discuss with you afterwards if you would like to take Pastor Paul for a few weeks. Um, or a 16-year-old that's got some major stuff coming on. You need to have a large checkbook with you. Um, not my grandkids, though. You can't have them. Um, so, but I am saying that God is calling you. Come on, he's calling you to something to replicate, to go after the loss. Youth. Kids. <laughs> Find somebody that's alone and just tell them I see you. Women. There's women all over that we, con that we come in contact with and they're not seen. They don't have, they don't have a hope. Men. Same thing. So let's commit this morning. We're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna ask. Um, I'm gonna ask somebody. Amy, would you run and bring, tell them to bring the kids in for? We're gonna. Uh, we're gonna do communion as a family and as a community. Um, let's pray real quick, and we'll begin to prepare our hearts. And Pastor Greg's gonna come, and we're gonna get ready to to take the Lord's Supper together. Father, right now, Lord. Thank you that there's a greater call. There's something, Father, you're calling us to. So, Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would just, let's just live like you. Just let me live like you. Let my heart be big enough 
to welcome anyone that you put in my path. That around my table would be conversations about you. That my living room would be a place where Jesus could be heard.